I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. TV, TV, TV. Nice. Thank you. Um, we watch a lot of TV, or I watch a lot of TV more accurately, I would say. <laughs> I love TV. It's like one of my guilty pleasures. I think sometimes I don't understand things about my behavior that are specific to me. Like, I just thought a lot of people watch a lot of TV, but apparently I watch more TV than other people. I don't know. Less than some, for sure. You like it as, like, a background activity, too. I do. I like having TV, like, around. Yeah, which I think, I feel like half of your watching is really, like, passive watching. Like, it'll just be on while you're doing shit. That's true, but I I do, like, like it, you know? Mm -hmm. When it's not there, I miss it. Mm. If that makes sense. But I do, I very rarely watch TV by just, like, engaging only with the television. Right. This isn't about me, though. I don't know why I made it about me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, We are talking today about different, like, maker TV shows, like crafting and DIY and flipping shows, Mm -hmm. because I think it's fun, and it's a genre I watch a lot of. It gets recommended to me in my Netflix queue pretty frequently, and it is a really good genre of TV to have kind of in the background. This started, actually, the idea for this episode was based on Making It, which is a delightful show that Mm -hmm. Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler host on NBC that is on Hulu that my coworkers turned me on to. And it's like a competition show where crafters have to compete to be like the the master maker. Mm -hmm. And I thought that show was really inspiring in a way and at first I wanted to do an episode about all that show and then I was like wait that doesn't make any sense so we're doing this but it really like watching these people obviously they were so much better at crafting and DIY than I am but watching them do all of these crazy cool creative things made me want to DIY more and I think that my uptick in DIYing recently has been in no small part attributable to that That makes sense well what's cool about the show too is it's not like some of these other shows, well, I guess some of the other shows we're talking about aren't also aren't professionals. But what's cool about that one in particular is like these people are professionals, but they're I don't know. I they're not I, TV personalities. They're not. No, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, they're also not TV personalities, which is nice. Well, then you have to say what you're saying. I know. I don't know I'm what trying you're to saying. think of like. Well, I don't want to diminish these people's <laughs> accomplishments, but they're like like one lady on a recent episode was like an Instagram artist which is a thing you can do and make a lot of money doing but she got famous and recognized making food portraits yeah right yes and so it's like people who are uh like crafty like i feel like the diy show aesthetic people have a vision of like this person has been a carpenter for 40 years and oh yeah like it's martha stewart is not competing on any of these things it's people who have crafting blogs or have crafting businesses or like yeah do set design or like window displays or things like that yeah which i think is particularly inspiring because these people are functioning at a professional level with crafting but it isn't as though these people have like 
years of experience or like multi-million dollar book deals about crafting or their specific expertise. Yeah, it's definitely like the first time they're receiving exposure on this level. Yeah. They're not famous necessarily. Which is cool. Like it's inspiring as a viewer and inspiring because like they're really, everyone is just seems, I mean, it could just be the magic of TV, <laughs> but everyone is pretty genuinely stoked to be on the show doing the thing because it could take off or help their careers take off even more. My favorite thing about this show, honestly, is how nice everyone is to each other. Like, I've watched a lot of competition shows in my youth, um, and people are always, like, fighting and catty and trying to beat each other, and really, sincerely, on the show, everyone seems like they like each other so much, and they're always, like, helping each other finish their crafts, and it's just a really joyous show to watch Mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah, I like this a lot. It's on Hulu. Yeah, into it. Would recommend yeah. And it goes fast. I got sucked into the second season. I didn't watch. I actually still haven't watched the first season. But you were just watching it. That's true. And I was like, all right, I'll see what's up with it. And then kind of got pulled in. I like the badges, too. Yeah, you don't win. Well, you win badges. So yeah. you're not really competing for, like, a lot. But everyone gets an apron at the beginning of the show. And then if you win, your badge gets sewn onto the apron. Yeah, but those are, like, preliminary. Comp- like, there's a bragging rights competition and then a competition that can actually eliminate you. True, cool. yeah. So but- you can be eliminated, but there are two patches available per episode. Yeah. Next on, the repair shop. <laughs> How did we find this show? I think maybe it was, I think it was recommended, recommended to us on Netflix. Yeah, we got in kind of a list. BBC spiral, I think, and so we ended up with a lot of British shows, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really put these in any discernible order, because this is hosted by Jay Blades, who's featured on Money for Nothing, which we're talking about next. Should we switch it right now? Should we fix it? Uh, yeah. So hold that thought. Boop. That's us hitting pause on Repair Shop. Okay, so Money for Nothing is also a BBC show. Um where a woman like stands at her local dump and they make very clear in every single episode i believe it's called a uh, tip uh, yes <laughs> the british call it a tip and they make very clear in every episode that you shouldn't do this because they had to receive <laughs> special permission to like film at the dump but she goes through people's trash as they're literally seconds from throwing it away and decides what she can do with it if she can make money from nothing Mm -hmm. and she gets three projects per episode one that she does and then two that she outsources to other makers and that's kind of what i like about this show is that it's not just a straight diy show it's really like focusing on the artistry of other artisans yeah and part of her upcycling goal is like she pays a certain amount of money to have the thing upcycled and then just hopes to make more profit than that. Yeah, she sells. Some of it is like off camera. I don't know. Some of it you see, some of it is off camera. Sometimes there's like a private buyer. Uh, but otherwise she sells to like this antique store and store she has partners with or partnerships with. Yeah, I think there. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell with the way they cut the show, but there's definitely one vintage store that bought a lot of the pieces and then she had kind of like a garage sale but out of her barn oh that's what it is because everyone in the uk wants to live in a barn it's Mm. very confusing um so there are a variety of ways that she sells the stuff but however much money she makes they like give you a breakdown on every single project and then the money goes back to the people she took the thing from yeah which is a trip 
Yeah, which is always really strange, so... Yeah, we can talk more about that when we get back to the repair shop, how the BBC is not as crisp on follow-up footage as perhaps American television is. <laughs> uh, but I like the show a lot. I like the outsourcing to local artisans. Uh, I think it's, it's cool because each thing is a little bit different, which like, duh, but each... Each artisan has a different uh, skill set and a very... Even people who have, like, similar approaches have very distinct styles, which is cool. Um, and you get to see a variety of materials. I think if you work at this level, you usually specialize in a few materials. So they have a blacksmith, and they have a carpenter, and they have someone, Jay Blades, who does upholstery <laughs> and furniture restoration, has a very cool name. Um, they have that woman who does the silk screening of furniture. Uh, yeah, that stuff's wild. Yeah, and her work usually sells through that gallery. Mm, yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. True. You get to see all sorts of wild stuff, and it's really fun. And I think it applies, or it appeals, rather, to us because we like to take things out of people's garbage, and it's just kind of like a level up of stuff that we like to do. It's like if the BBC gave us money to do it. And we had decades more skill and experience. <laughs> well, it's made its motto. So Jay Blades, from this show, got his spinoff show where it's unclear if he is in charge of the repair shop or not. It seems like it's his repair shop on some level. The narrative is that this is, like, Jay's shop and he's kind of, like, the foreman or, like, oversees all of the work. But... We've seen Jay's shop in Money for Nothing, and we know that this is, like, constructed by the BBC and that they specifically hired these people who are the best in their craft in the UK, etc. Yeah. This show is also really cool, though, because all of the artisans are really, really good. There's, like, an antique furniture restorer and a ceramic restorer and that uh, fine art restorer who mm. does all the paintings. Mm. There's all sorts of cool shit. Basically, the Steve. premise... Yeah, the clock... What is he called? A horologist? Yeah. Um, horologist. Horologist. What a word. Yeah. Probably Latin. Uh, perhaps. I don't know. We'll do some research. Get back to you. And basically in this show, people bring their family heirlooms that are in some state of disrepair, usually because a child was left alone with it, mm. and they get restorations done that would be far too expensive for them to have done if the BBC weren't footing the bill. Yeah. And so you get to see, like, hundreds of year old furniture be restored after it's been vandalized, or you get to see... Paintings be restored. Burgled, I believe is the word. Yeah, they're very frequently burgled in the UK, apparently. Uh, you get to see paintings restored after kids have, like, stuck pencils through them. Literally. Literally. This is a real example. A lot of clocks. Clocks in all stages of disrepair. And also mechanized toys. Steve yeah. also does toys. The coolest thing is, well, all right. But the coolest thing you think you've seen repaired, go. Wow, why don't you go first because you seem to have one and I'll think about it. Well, I was going to say coolest fact, but I, the fact made me remember another cool thing. So the coolest fact from this show, from the horologist, is that inside of clocks, horologists, when they fix them, will like sign their name and the date it was fixed and sometimes leave each other little notes. Like, this clock is really difficult to fix. Good luck. And like just little silly things like that. So clocks that have been around for literally centuries will have inscriptions on the ends like way inside on like a gear there's always i guess a special part of each clock where there's the signatures 
from, you know, the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, 2000s, whenever they've been fixed, everyone will add their thing. But then, that made me remember, there was this wild storyline about uh, a violin that had made yeah. it through Auschwitz, and they repaired the violin. Um, and violins, I guess, also have a similar tradition of if you're the level of violin repair, but I assume most like wood instrument repairers, you inscribe a certain part of it um, that you like touch this instrument. I don't know. It's just cool to me that that and that, that exists within some industries. I suppose uh, industry sounds like a little <laughs> blunt, but I couldn't think of a better better word for it because it's this idea that like this thing is so special that you have contributed to its story and its longevity as a person which is cool well i think that the idea of the repair shop on its face seems kind of boring because you're just watching people fix things but i think the repair shop really tries to celebrate what it means to be someone who fixes and restores pieces of history especially at this level and like the care that it takes and the knowledge that it takes and sort of the relationship people have with the things they restore. Mm. And so I think it it's really interesting based on these sort of like cultural and social like norms of being a restorer, it yeah. seems. There are some unhealthy relationships of people to stuff, but the relationship of being <laughs> a restorer to an important restored thing is pretty like genuinely sweet and tender to see. I think my favorite one was that music, it wasn't like a box, it was massive, remember? And it had those discs that looked like saw blades almost uh, in it. And it one, was kind of a precursor to a gramophone, right? That they got for a loan? No. Uh, the one that played the Christmas music, it was the Christmas special. Mm, I do. With the two sisters. The, the dude who wears the ascot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some characters on this show. Yeah. <laughs> some people who... Like, know they're being on TV and really commit to being on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think it's a fun show. That one's on Netflix. Yeah. As is Money for Nothing. Mm-hmm. I want more episodes of Money for Nothing to come to Netflix also, if Netflix is listening. Hmm. Yeah, I think I like Money for Nothing better than The Repair Shop. I'm going to say that. I think so, too. It moves a little faster. The Repair Shop is definitely a show, a relaxing show doesn't have a lot of movement to it, I would say. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, there are parts of it that get drawn out. A lot of times they do a big reveal at the end, which is supposed to be very heartfelt, and, like, the first minute or so of it are heartfelt, but then it gets pretty uh, bland pretty quickly. But even throughout the show, I think, yeah, Money for Nothing just moves at a better clip and at a more interesting clip. I kind of like the, the, the repair shop, so the repair shop starts, if, if you start watching it on Netflix, it's half hour episodes, right? Yes. Then it goes to 45 minutes. That's true. They yeah. got famous. Yeah. And what's nice about the repair shop, the reveals are still too long, or the like returns or whatever. <laughs> but what's nice about it is the, all the small details of it. Like, there's just like some crazy shit. Like, not just the inscription stuff, but watching the fine art lady repair fine art and like learning how she does that. And the teddy wild. bear ladies. Teddy bear ladies are wild. Yeah. There's a lot of good good content in there, I would say. Yeah. I do love that, like, watching this as just, like, a regular-ass person, it's, like, cool to see people, like, work at that level of expertise. 
but they film it as if it is a DIY show, as if like where they're like giving <laughs> you instructions as to what they're doing, as though you're going to turn around and do that thing. Yeah, as if you two will like reseam the canvas of this 18th century like <laughs> religious painting, and like no. And then she's like, and then I get my spatula. <laughs> yeah, which is not like a spatula, but it is a spatula. <laughs> so yeah, good show though. Would recommend. And then our final BBC wreck. Find it, fix it, flog it. This is, I think, my favorite of the three. That's true. I really want new episodes of this show. It's been a while since we've watched this show because we watched them all so quickly. It's basically, it's kind of like American Pickers, I would say, in yeah. that they drive around the UK either with a list already of people who collect stuff and are willing to sell it or just like sometimes they'll be like oh there are a lot of outbuildings on that property i bet they have good shit and then they'll like pull over and ask people if they're willing to sell their old shit yeah so it is like american pickers the first i would say half of it is simon and henry wow i didn't even remember their name oh yeah Glad you pulled it out <laughs> um going through people's stuff trying to buy it yes and buy it for a specific price, and that's the find it part. Do they buy it? Is it just they have to find stuff that can be gifted, right? And then everyone picks a charity for the money to go to. Do they gift it? I think so. I think they have oh, to man, specifically so long. get free shit. Oh, maybe it is free. I don't know. We'll have to. Because that's fact the point: that is they well. go into places like big old, like not necessarily big old estates, but they'll go to like old, uh, like I have in my mind right now. They went to this old like air hanger that someone owned that had a bunch of uh, like from world war two to vaguely present day but there's stuff they can't have like the person who owns this stuff can be like no you can't have that or right. yes you can't okay that's why i think so maybe it's free. a donation thing okay we'll yeah. look it up regardless yeah. they find the shit do your own research <laughs> they fix it up they basically like flip it in a way henry specializes in like cars and motorcycles and stuff so usually he'll do something in that realm mm -hmm. simon is more of a jack of all trades it seems and he has that assistant in his shop who loves decoupage yeah um so he will often end up with furniture pieces and stuff yeah they bill him as like the furniture woodwork guy just to be foil but it seems like he can really do pretty much anything. whatever he did like that boat that one time remember that yeah it's pretty impressive actually. and there is that the part with the budget there's some like amount of money that they put into these things because it's like a net profit game right so the end of it the like gamey part of it is they invite some reputable auctioneer who tells them how much they think it would be worth Right, but you have to have spent money on it, right? Because it's like a gamble. Yeah. Okay, so maybe this, maybe it's in the fixing it up that they spend the money. And yeah. often Henry will like and they powder try, coat things. And they try to find something they think is worth money too. Yes. <laughs> it's all coming back. <laughs> yeah, no, so like the, the idea is like to pick the thing that they think they can upcycle the most. Oh, I got flip bread. <laughs> Pulled it down. They try to find the thing that they think they can upcycle the most in order to, like, make a profit because they each make a separate profit. And then at the end, once the appraiser appraises all of their things, one of them wins with their three items. I think all of the money ends up going to the charity, but there's a winner and a loser. And I think they keep a tally over the course of the season so that you can kind of see, like, who is better overall. And that's the flog it part, because flog it apparently means to sell things in 
British. Yeah. It's fun, too. I like that it's not just, like, it is a net profit game, but I like, it feels extra competitive, because it's not so much, like, them going outside their style, but a little bit, like, who understands their niche best. Yeah. I don't know, it's just a fun show. They also talk a lot of shit. Yeah, they're pretty good TV personalities. Yeah. Part of why I haven't seen that much of American Pickers, part of why I don't like it is I just don't think they're, like, interesting TV personalities to me. I know a lot of people like them, and a lot of people like that show, but I find I that don't show like it as much as I like Find It, Fix It, Very Pocket. boring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a project from that. So I remember the boat one. I remember very clearly, so Henry one time picked out these... Um, wrought iron bench ends like the wooden part of the bench was no longer there I don't recall that so you're alone here i'm gonna describe it to you very vividly don't okay. worry and henry's thing is that he often does like cars or motorcycles or mechanical parts so his signature move is to sandblast something ah, get yes. all the rust off of it and then powder coat it with a really shiny sort of like car finish paint mm-hmm. and so he gets these wrought iron bench legs they have a massive lion on each side uh, like it's really guy, ornate yeah, yeah, and decorative yeah, yeah. and he sandblasts them and powder coats them bright orange and then like makes a bench out of it and people are like what are you doing and he ends up winning the episode because they were valued very highly yeah that's pretty cool so i like two i can't think of one in particular but a lot of times the he will just find uh just like random ass little like one or two gear like scooters like not even really motorcycles (laughs) just like diesel or i don't know if any of them are electric scooters and they'll fix them up and then they'll just like he has a a friend who is like a shop assistant yeah and they'll just like toy around on these things that's pretty fun i'm trying to think of another good project from that that's like but nothing's really coming to mind there's been some good stuff they did uh I always think they do fun stuff. Like, I think that their ideas are good every time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, rarely am I like, oh, that's bad. Yeah. Whereas on Flea Market Flip... <laughs> Transition. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's straight up bad. <laughs> Though I will say in Flea Market Flip's defense, um, that's the reason that we went to Elephant's Trunk is because we had been watching a lot of Flea Market Flip and that they frequently true. are at Elephant's Trunk. So Flea Market Flip is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's a show basically where two teams are given what five hundred dollars in one hour at a massive flea market. Supposedly, but like none of that is ever really accounted. Yeah, for. no, we don't really know how that works. And then they have that time to like find enough stuff to do three projects. Yes. Then they go back to the which are workshop. vaguely themed. They're vaguely themed, but like basically everyone's doing whatever they want. Yeah. Um. They go back to the workshop. They have, I think, $100 to buy extra stuff. Who knows? Plus, like, whatever's in the workshop. It's very unclear. Yeah. Which is sometimes, like, really nice shit. Sometimes people are like... <laughs> Recently, one of the episodes we saw, people are like, oh, we'll get these bench legs, and then we'll just use whatever's in the workshop, quote-unquote. And then what it was in the workshop was, like, this amazing piece of, like, Carolina pine for their bench or some yeah, crazy like shit. Yeah, like a live-edge, like, like three-inch thick tabletop. Yeah, more expensive than what anyone else bought that was just <laughs> in the workshop. It's like, well, no shit, now this is going to sell for money. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is also a net profit game, so it's a ah, yeah, so it's probably buy low, sales. sell high sort of situation. Yeah. And so they buy the stuff at the flea market, and then they have to sell the stuff at a New York City flea market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like a competition show. 
Though another thing about it is that there are people working in the workshop who are professionals. Yeah. So they can have kind of ambitious ideas and they get executed because these people are professionals. And sometimes people say that they like do this for a living, but it's never really clear. What that means. Right. <laughs> so I would say that they're usually not professional flippers. No is the one vibe is I like get. J-Blades. <laughs> yeah, no, no one is J-Blades. Um Really, sometimes the the stuff is very tragic, I think. Yeah. But that's kind of, like, part of the fun of it a little bit. Like, I have a lot of schadenfreude for this show. A lot of what? Schadenfreude? Like, taking joy in other people's shame. <laughs> Whoa. I had never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, it's a German word. Whoa. Yeah. Schadenfreude? Schaden. Schaden. Freude. Freude. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Schaden being shame and Freude being, like, joy. <laughs> Yeah, I the shame joy. Shame joy. I'd say that's an accurate depiction of uh, the show, led by Laura, who is sometimes just like the wild and out as a host. Yeah, it's. I would say that Laura's this special. it was on HGTV and is now on some sort of like subsidiary network of theirs, and it's definitely like the most suburban yeah. of the shows. It's supposed to be very approachable, and they're supposed to be. DIYs that you could feasibly do and like ideas that you could feasibly have some some of them just like aren't good ideas like some things yes. <laughs> aren't meant to be made into benches mm-hmm. and everyone or oh, lighting people always yeah lighting there's been some pretty bad lighting projects <laughs> or people who just like always make bark arts like some of them are good and some of them are just poorly done and like anything technically can be a cart yes <laughs> <laughs> you can literally put booze on anything but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd say it definitely is meant to be most approachable and in some ways just like loses it. Like sometimes it's just wildly overproduced and you can tell. <laughs> like, But see, as we're talking about it and shitting on it, I'm also like wildly excited to stop recording this and watch it because <laughs> I, I feel like, like I think this because it's an American TV show and not a British one, like, moves very quickly, and you're really engaged the whole time, and the story is really, like, moving at a clip, you know? At no point are you like, okay, this scene needs to end, because the scene is already over. Yeah, I mean, these are, like, uh, I mean, they're American. They're, like, the Bud Light of DIY shows. You can just, like, crush ten of them and keep rolling. (laughs) And I will say that even though I I don't necessarily want to do any of these specific projects, it does kind of, like, amp me up to do projects. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's, like, you know, like people people i'm talking about myself and i'm like trying to remove myself but like yeah i like to read like constantly in my rotation a lot of poetry because it keeps me inspired to keep writing or like people who are artists keep art books around or make a point to go to galleries museums new showings like doing projects is the same kind of ship you know you you get a lot of diy books from the library too it's true i love a diy book so it's good to like i don't know keep the media i think it's good to keep the media about the stuff you want to do you know yeah yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else Have there been any just like total flops of tv shows i don't think so i'll pretty much much like a police procedure i'll pretty much like consume anything in the genre and mm. get my joy from it even though it's objectively not a good show yeah. you know like i'll watch anything that netflix recommended to me i don't remember what it was called but there was this um antiquing show and it was an abc show an australian broadcasting network show 
where these two old men did like a full perimeter tour of Australia going to antique markets. Oh, I watched this with you. Yes. And then they did the auction? Yes, and then they had to sell all their shit in an auction. So they were basically like flea market picking or like uh, antique mall picking to sell at auction. And it was about like having the eye to know what was valuable. Oh, man. But was that show was wild yeah they were like australians are wild man and like these were two like australian dudes and they had to they were like competitors so they were like in the same places looking at the same stuff but they also had to drive around together so there was like a lot of shit talking there as well as they were like loading each other's uh, shit into the van i totally forgot about yeah that. um wow. sleeper pick that yeah. show was really fucking and there good. were so <laughs> many episodes of it too there were like five seasons um so that was good it's on that Netflix oh man yeah and they were just like so bougie and bitter in the auctioning (laughs) oh yeah because they they were like um I mean they were professionals to their salesmen yeah Yeah. Uh, and they were just having like (laughs) they'd have shit that like they know would sell really well and be just like I guess no one here has taste you know (laughs) (laughs) because it was all at one auction yeah and it had to be it was like on the day so if it wasn't like you got to pick your buyer it was just whoever came to the auction that day oh that was a good one yeah not a flop but a good pick yeah that was a while ago we watched that yeah I'm trying to think I I don't know if it counts but that treehouse show we watched pretty bad had to stop that one Oh, I think that does count because we watch a lot of tiny house content as yeah. well. This isn't about tiny house content, but it was kind of on the level of tiny house content. That's why it I was, wasn't sure if you're um, getting tangential. I mean, what was that? Was that on like Animal Planet and then we found it on Hulu? I don't know. No, maybe. I think we just, I think I just saw it on Hulu one time. Um, yeah, but like I think it was produced for Animal Planet, oh, which is why it was weird is because it like. <laughs> Unlike Tanked. Tanked is a fabulous show, but this is not about that. Um, but yeah, the, the, these people were like building tree houses and it was all very precarious and strange. Yeah. Um, it was like cool, the work they were doing, but the filming of it was like odd. It was like impossible to focus on the craft. It was uh, maybe in part because it's Animal Planet. They're like, these people have to be personalities. And then they would build the tree house, but you wouldn't necessarily understand how the tree house built and it was cool because like clearly this is like a feat of engineering but like i don't need to watch this man prance around in a santa hat right now like tell me what is happening yeah and also like we watch a lot of content about composting toilets so i'm not shy about composting toilets but for some reason they talked a lot about like how toilets work in tree houses and that was off-putting mm. to me yeah yeah there's something out about it so i'm gonna recommend that Treehouse Masters, I think it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah, not worth it. There goes our Animal Planet sponsorship. That's all right. I don't think I'd want to want to have that. I used to watch a lot of Animal Planet as a kid, actually. Remember when, like, on the Discovery Channel, it was all, like, severe medical shows? <laughs> yes. Like, you could watch people, like, give birth on the Discovery Channel, and then... It's about Discovery. <laughs> but then, like, you go to Animal Planet and, like, also watch animals give birth. It was like they were, like, mirroring each other in some weird way. Don't, or, like, extreme animal surgery. Oh, is that it? They just, like, were repeating content, but for animals? I think maybe. I used to watch all of those shows about animals giving birth, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not content. That's exciting. <laughs> But when I think about the animal planet, that's uh, that's what I think about. Animals giving birth. Yeah. 
Maybe like on fair. television, maybe without their consent. I would say probably without their consent. Uh, well, here we are at the end of our DIY TV episode. Anything else? I'm trying to think. I think that's about it. Yeah, I think so. The DIY shows. Let us know what your favorite DIY shows are on Instagram at apt26podcast. Woo! You can let me know specifically with hashtag Donnie's Decor Corner. Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.